Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hey there, welcome to today's program. Delighted that you were able to join in either live or by listening to the uh, recorded version of the program at your leisure. Um, we do not have any town high school with us today. We do not have the educators panel with us today, and that means that we can do whatever we want today. How often does that happen? Not often on this program, um, but what that means is that I can finally uh, answer some of your emails today, and I can finally take some phone calls today. And we do have a caller uh, on the line uh, just to get the ball rolling here. Um, and so, because callers take priority on both this and the parents' program, um, we're going to jump in with our caller in just a moment. Um, to start off, I hope you, if you are somebody who celebrates Thanksgiving, I uh, hope you had a nice one. Um, hope you enjoyed your break from school if you had one. And, um, well, all right, I got nothing else to say. Let's bring our caller on the air. Um, from area code 360, you are on the air, Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. And are you calling from a western state as I had anticipated? I certainly am. I'm calling from Washington <laughs> State. Okay. So don't give us any other identifying information or names of anybody, but okay. I know that you have a challenging student that you wanted to talk about. Let's I let's hear about him. Well, this particular student came to me um, last year after spending the previous couple years in general education uh, with some very challenging behaviors. And uh, basically what I'm seeing is that when he's working one-on-one -on -one with an adult, he seems to work hard to complete whatever assignment he has. Uh, but when he is working in a group-type session or with one or two other students, he seems to want to be in charge and will purposely try to antagonize the other students. And specifically, he has uh, <clears throat> identified one particular student that he seems to focus in on. Um, and it may be that when he first came into my classroom, this particular student basically stood up to him, if you will. And uh, he may still remember that. It's been now uh, a year, and I don't think he's forgotten. So he seems to focus in on this one student and tries to 
antagonize and um, disrupt the student from doing what the student needs to do. Got it. So here's the deal. At the moment, you're describing, and this is often the way descriptions start, you're describing the student in fairly general terms. I get it in situations in which it's one-on-one with an adult. He does reasonably well. In situations where there's kids, even just two or three, he does less well. And one of the main ways in which he does less well is that he seems to have, and I'm going to change your wording a little bit because I don't want to make any assumptions about what's going on. Uh, But he seems to be having difficulty getting along with some of the kids, one in particular. Fair? Correct. So I'm inclined to stay away from terminology like antagonizing, although it may very well be. I'm I'm going to stay away from it for now. Um, trouble getting along with several of the students, one in particular, and difficulty, um, it sounds like, uh, and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, difficulty completing classwork if it's not one-on-one with an adult? That, that is correct. Got it. And are we talking all classwork, or, are we, or is there some classwork he can complete uh, on his own if he's not one-on-one with an adult? He does have the ability to do independent work. Um, usually, though, at uh, one grade level below his actual grade at this time. So he can do... And, and I challenge him, but, you know, obviously I don't challenge him to the point where he gets so frustrated that he can't complete the work. Uh, and I do work with him uh, myself uh, to ensure that if there's any work that he is unfamiliar with, that I um, provide him the information he needs to be able to work then independently on his own. So, yes, he can do work uh, independently. Um, I don't know if we're, if we're to that point yet, but I would say that anywhere from five to seven times per day because it's just impossible for him to be totally separated from the other students. I don't have enough uh, assistance with me to allow a one-on-one on a continuous basis. But anywhere from five to seven times per day, he will in some way have an, uh, some way made it difficult for others to focus in on their work. Got it. So now... Now, as you probably know, I organize the world through lagging skills and unsolved problems. I find that that, the lagging skills helps me get my lenses on, and the unsolved problems help me figure out exactly what it is that I'm working on. Um, So let's see if we can be more specific a little bit about what skills this student is lacking. I don't know if you have the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems in front of you. Yeah, um, actually, I don't. I don't have them with okay. me. I can get them real quickly, but I don't have well, them right now. Well, uh, we, we can probably skip that. Do you have? But each academic task on which he's having difficulty getting started or completing would be its own unsolved problem. Right. Each 
fellow student he's having trouble getting along with would probably be its own unsolved problem. A lot of right. people like to clump those. Uh, they might want to clump all of the academic tasks on which the student is having trouble getting started and completing into one unsolved problem. The, the difficulty with doing that is that each academic task he's having trouble getting started on and completing may have completely different um, factors that are making it hard for him to get started and complete, in which case I'd want to treat them each as their own separate unsolved problem. Okay. And each student he's having trouble getting along with, uh, he might be having difficulty getting along with each of them for different reasons, in which case while it might be tempting to clump, I'd be more inclined to split. I've heard people distinguish between clumpers and splitters, and I'm definitely a splitter just because I find that when we clump many unsolved problems into the same one, it's not as productive because we're pretending that each sub-unsolved problem is tied together by the macro-unsolved problem, and that's frequently not the case. But let's pick... Um, so it sounds like there are several different types of assignments he's having difficulty getting started on and completing. Fair? Correct. And I guess, um, Doctor, uh, I really, to me, the the academic assignments are not that they're insignificant, but yep. uh, at this point, um, I don't feel there's actually a problem. Uh, and and he and I have problem solved about starting those academic assignments. It's it's in the area of fairness that I think I believe he's having his most difficult times. Uh, I've made the statement to him and to all of my students and explained what it meant that fair does not mean equal. And I would never treat him um, like I would, let's say, a kindergarten student, nor would I treat him as if he was a seventh or eighth grader. Uh, he's having a difficult time, though, distinguishing between what is fair and what is not fair. So if a particular another student is allowed to do something or uh, I give a student a, a specific privilege that maybe I didn't uh, afford him the same, uh, that's, I think, an area where uh, I'm finding some extreme um, opposition and, and difficulty then uh, being able to distinguish between what is fair for him and what's fair for someone else. Got it. And once again, the same principle would apply. I get it that he has a global issue with what's fair and what's not, and it sounds, based on your brief description, like his definition of fair is that everybody's getting the same thing. Correct. But we might we would probably still need to divide fair up into the specific things that he is most often having difficulty with the fairness of. Okay. So can you give a so you've given one example but we'd want to believe it or not be even more specific than that about oh, I can what it was go ahead. I, I, uh, one very specific thing if we're in a group session and I ask a question, uh, and he's not called on first, um, then he finds that to be unfair. He feels, though, 
he should have the first opportunity to respond to whatever question I have asked. Perfect. So there's but that, that's very specific. Right. Um, so the unsolved problem would be, um, and, and now, now comes an interesting part. So, so we've, we've covered a few important things here. First of all, we're not going to clump. We're going to split. So um, difficulty starting and completing work would not be specific enough. That's okay. clumping. Uh, the specific, and I know that that's not number one on your list. I'm just reviewing what we've covered so far. The okay. specific academic tasks that he's having trouble starting and completing would be separate unsolved problems. Correct. Difficulty getting along with other kids would be a clumped unsolved problem. We wouldn't want to do that. We'd want to make each kid he's having difficulty getting along with its own unsolved problem. Okay. And now we have fairness, which is which if we just went with difficulty with fairness, that would be a clumped unsolved problem. We're going to split it up into um, specific things on which the fairness issue especially seems to be rearing its head. And you've given us one example of that. Um, difficulty, uh, now, now comes the hard part. How am I going to word this? One of the things that um, has come up in my work with a lot of the people I work with lately who have been especially certification trainings is um, how to word the unsolved problem. Mm -hmm. And we could go with difficulty when he's not called on first in class discussions. And you know what? I'd be happy with that one. As a general rule, because that's pretty specific, and I think he'd know what you were talking about, uh, and that's sort of the litmus test. Is it specific enough, and is he going to know what you're talking about? Um, usually, though, I try to phrase my unsolved problems as the expectation the student is having, and this is more technical, the expectation the student is having trouble meeting with the word difficulty in front of it. So now mm -hmm. let's see if we want to change the wording at all here. What difficulty is he having trouble meeting in class discussions? Waiting his turn? Correct. So the unsolved problem could instead be stated. I don't, I'm not. I don't really care. I think either is fine. The unsolved problem could instead be stated as difficulty waiting his turn, which is your expectation. That is That's correct. an unsolved problem. So here's the deal. What we're looking for first from this student is a list of lagging skills, and of course. For you to accomplish that mission, I would lead you to the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that you can download from the Lives in the Balance website in the paperwork section, you or anybody who's listening to the program. And as part of completing the ALSIP, we are discussing what skills the student is lacking so we have the right lenses on and what unsolved problems flow from those lagging skills. And we are now hearing about a bunch of them. Of course, the next step is to prioritize which unsolved problems do we want to start working on first, and that's an important part of the discussion as well. And those are the ones we're going to be doing proactive plan B on. The rest are going to be plan C. We're not going to be working on them at all. The more we try to work on everything, the less we'll get done. So a meaningful number of them are going to be plan C. We're, we're just They're going to be on the back burner for now. Uh, the rest, the ones we're prioritizing, those are going to be plan B. 
along those lines, the second sheet of collaborative problem solving, the Plan B flowchart, also downloadable from the Live in the Balance website and the paperwork section, um, the, the Plan B flowchart will be the way we keep track of those three unsolved problems, who's going to be doing Plan B with the student on them, and tracking that unsolved problem through to a successful resolution. So now now we've got me seeing this kid through the lenses that I prefer, uh, lagging skills, although we haven't really talked about it, unsolved problems. Now, now I'm set. Um, now I'm set on what exactly the student is having difficulty with. You'll have to decide what unsolved problems you want to be working on right now. Tell me what's next. Tell me where you're running into trouble. The problem where I'm running into trouble is though his his desire his unmet ex or my unmet expectation for him is to wait his turn, uh, and though that is somewhat of a global concept for him as far as the other kids in the class, he has singled out one particular student that if he can for some. Uh, if he's able to manage other students answering prior to him, there's no way that he will allow this one particular student to answer prior to him. And as I said, he seems to have focused the majority of his negative attention on this one particular student for whatever reason. And uh, obviously I noticed this uh, rather quickly, and we have done numerous plan Bs, I hope I've done them correctly, but I've done numerous plan Bs with him. I even had both students sit down uh, with me, uh, me being a, a mediator, so to speak, and trying to get them to work through whatever problems to understand what it is, and primarily on his side, what it is about the other student that bothers him the most. So we've come up with, he's come up with some solutions, uh, though it appears that he's just paying me lip service because, and I understand that Plan B is not an overnight success, um, or to utilize Plan B is not an overnight success, but he does not seem to be too motivated to really put into practice any of the solutions uh, with which he's come up. All right, so... Um, we don't want to describe him as not motivated, although I understand what you mean, to implement solutions. Often when I hear adults tell me that the child, in this case a student, isn't motivated to implement the solutions that we've come up with, there are a variety of things that could cause the adult to say that. In my experience, the most common is that the solution wasn't realistic in the first place and or that the solution wasn't mutually satisfactory in the first place either. So before we start hearing about the solutions that this student, and I, I'm going to reword isn't motivated to, is having difficulty following through on. Is that okay? Okay, that's fine. Before we hear about the solutions he's having difficulty following through on, because 
it is so common that the solution that the student is having trouble following through on wasn't realistic in the first place and or wasn't mutually satisfactory in the first place. So realistic meaning the student couldn't actually do what it was agreed upon that he would do. Mutually satisfactory means that the concerns of both parties weren't addressed by the solution. And if it's the student who's not following through on the solution, it's a pretty surefire bet that it's his concern that isn't being addressed. But okay. because that's so common, and I don't want to sort of leap to a judgment here because maybe that's not why he's not following through on the solution, but that, I must say, that's that would be my first guess knowing nothing about him. For us to know about whether the solution was mutually satisfactory, we'd need to know whether the student's concerns were satisfactorily clarified in the empathy step of Plan B. Mm -hmm. So, let me put you on the spot. Okay. What, what did we learn about this student's concerns in the empathy step about why he has difficulty taking turns in responding during class discussions, especially when it's one particular student? What, what did we learn about his concerns there? Because here's the deal. If that's not well clarified, then the solution could not conceivably address the concerns that weren't well clarified in the empathy step of Plan B. What did you learn about his concerns? Well, the concern I, that I learned from him at, uh, in that particular subject was that I think he felt that he, because he was one of the older students in the classroom um, than some of the others, and, and unfortunately I have uh, multi-aged students in my class, so there's no way to separate them sometimes when we do group work, uh, that he feels that because he's older, he should have the opportunity to uh, respond first. And he also is of the opinion that he probably has a better answer than the other students. And I would need to hear, did, did you get any more detail than that? Here's the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm not saying you did this, but fairly commonplace is for... I guess what I'm asking myself is, do I understand those concerns as well as I would like to? And my answer is no. That means, and next comes the next and the hardest part of the empathy step, and that's drilling for information. Right. Anything more that we know about why he thinks the fact that he's the oldest means he ought to go first? Any more details you can offer on um, and what was the second thing you said? He thinks his answer is, is the best? Right. I'd want to he, hear he, much more about those. Anything more you can add? Well, um, I'm, I'm trying to think here. And, and just as a caveat, uh, this is the first year I've implemented this program. So I'm fairly new to it myself. That's fine. No, 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 that, that, that's I've, what this I've program is for. I've, I've become a 100% convert to the program. I think it's it's outstanding, and I think it it um, 
it will help in the long run uh, as I get more comfortable, as those that work with me get more comfortable uh, with the program. I think it will be a huge success in my program. Um, so, you know, as I'm thinking about it, it may be that I did not dig down deep enough for additional information during the empathy phase. And therefore, I probably need to go back to, to the drawing board with him and and try to find out additional information uh, that I may have just uh, skimmed the surface, so to speak, and have not really um, gotten deep enough into what is really the main concern that he has. And it might be that you were at the at the beginning of his concern. That's just that I'm, I'd like to understand it even better than I do. So in other words, I might in response to, well, I'm the oldest. I should get to go first. Um, drilling for information would be... Um, Tell me, tell me more about that. How come, if you're the oldest, you should go first? So that's sort of getting into the next level of specificity. I mean, mm -hmm. first of all, first of all, it's fantastic that he talked. That says there's something about the empathy step that you're doing well. So that's good. I'm not, you know, um, what I'm doing here is troubleshooting. So I'm not, not judging, not criticizing, just trying to figure out why he's having difficulty following through on the solution y'all came up with. But I don't want to let on the oldest stand because I, quite frankly, don't know how a solution would address him being the oldest. I'd, I'd want more detail on that. And I definitely want to hear more about him thinking that his answer is the best. I'd want to know what his definition of the best is. Um, I'd want to hear, to what degree do I have black and white thinking going on here? Sort of, He's got sort of rather rigid ideas about how these discussions should go and who should respond first based on rather rigid notions about uh, how that's determined. Um, so, yes, maybe there's, it, it is, by the way, there aren't many Plan Bs that I hear about that don't need more drilling. <laughs> okay. So um, nothing to feel bad about there. It's just that when solutions don't pan out, it's often because we didn't have sufficient clarity on the concerns of both parties yet. So you might have some more drilling to do. Okay. But now let's hear, and this is sort of now moving backwards, what solutions did you guys end up deciding to run with? Well, the primary solution was that we would have a signal between the two of us that if he got frustrated or started to feel stressed because of what was happening in the classroom, that I would give him a signal and he would go uh, to a, a place of his choosing within our classroom uh, for time by himself, uh, and I have, in fact, made up um, these little, if you will, uh, anger-reducing bags where I've got a number of different activities in the bag that the students can each take with them, go someplace if they're feeling stressed, and uh, really 
receive that stress in a safe way and then come back and join the group. So got we it. had come up that was now that I got was a, I got a question for you, but it's a yes, setup sir. question. Are you ready to be set up? Go ahead. <laughs> You're brave to call in and here I am setting you up. Here we go. <laughs> This is uh, if I got a lot of speeding tickets, and I don't, but let's say I did. Do we want the solution to primarily be focused on how I can control my anger the next time I get pulled over for a speeding ticket, or do we want the solution to primarily be focused on? not getting pulled over for speeding tickets in the first place? Well, obviously, the second one, the latter, is the one that would be most preferable. Bingo. So the solution that you guys came up with is a solution for what the student should do if the discussion became frustrating for him, not how are we going to keep the discussion from becoming frustrating for him in the first place. I see what you're saying. We we don't want we don't want solutions that are primarily aimed at what we're going to do once the unsolved problem that still isn't solved pops up again. We want to solve the problem so it doesn't pop up again. So in other words, I'm relying on emergency plan B instead of proactive plan B. That's cool. you 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 were trying to come up with a solution for what the student should do in the heat of the moment. Sounds like you are definitely in a school, eh? You've just added you've just added authenticity to the program. Yes, <laughs> which is a good thing. Now we know you're the real McCoy. Um, I'm definitely the real McCoy. <laughs> We want solutions that are going to solve the problem so it doesn't pop up again. Okay. Not solutions. Now, is it terrible to have a solution for what the student should do if it does pop up again? No, that's not terrible. It's just that, you know, if the, if the problem keeps popping up, then eventually the student's going to look like he's not motivated to do the solution because the problem is still there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, let me just make one other point because th- th- I'm – so glad you called in because the things that you're bringing up are things that are really rather common that can go awry when people are trying to do plan B. So I'm I'm glad that we are talking about it and um, talking about some of the things that we can do differently. You've told us a little bit about what his concerns are, and we've agreed that we probably need more detail on it. But let's say his concerns are, let's let's run with what we've got. He's the oldest, and he should answer first. And his answers mm-hmm. are better, so he should answer first. Yes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now if I'm moving backwards, this is sometimes uh, an, an instructive thing to do. If I'm moving backwards from the solution back, now i got to ask myself, how is him having a signal for what he should do for for a place that he should go if he gets frustrated, going to address his concerns, that since he's the oldest and has the best answers, he should answer first. And I'll answer my own question. It wouldn't. Makes sense. So we're looking for greater, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, 
we're looking for greater specificity on the unsolved problems, mm-hmm. the list. We're looking to prioritize two or three and drill very well so that we understand his concerns on those unsolved problems as well as possible. And we're trying to come up with solutions that that address those concerns so the problem is solved and doesn't come up again rather than on where he should go and what he should do if the problem does pop up again. I, uh, so in other words, what, what you're saying is I basically have a, a reactionary type solution, vice a proactive solution that addresses the concern so that we never get to the point where I have to give him the signal. You got it. Otherwise, we are in perpetual crisis management mode. And, of course, in my 16 years of doing this particular type of job, that's basically where I've been. So, unfortunately, I've had 15, I'm in my 16th year, I've had 15 years of of the old school, and so I guess I'm still, my mindset is still uh, there in that in that particular type of of uh, reaction. Totally understandable, but we're gonna um, we can fix that. But that's why <laughs> we're talking about it. Um, and by the way, um, if you've been at it, if you've been thinking about things in a certain way and going about doing things in a certain way for 16 years, um, good for you for having the bravery to um, think differently and do differently. All I'm doing is tuning it up a little bit. You've already done the hardest part, and that's the bravery part and the open-mindedness part. Um, Good for you. I hope what we just talked about helps. And listen, you can call into this program anytime you want. Now you know what time it's at. You know the number to call. Um, Got a few little things maybe not so little things, but a few fundamental things about Plan B and getting the effort organized to work on. But um, I'm very glad you called in today. Well, thank you, Dr. Green. I appreciate you taking my phone call and taking the time to speak with me. And uh, you can be rest assured that after I give this a little bit more thought and work with that student and all my students, but that particular student a little bit more, uh, utilizing the information and, and guidance that you've given me, I will probably be calling you again. Please do. You're welcome anytime. Thank you very much, sir. Take care. All right. And here's the good news. Um, first of all, I mean that sincerely. Uh, that educator has gotten over the toughest hurdle already. Um, bravery, being open-minded, trying something new. Not saying that all educators are not willing to try something new, but in the discipline department it tends to be, that's a hard, it's a tough road to hoe to think differently and do things differently. Um, Different lenses, different practices, good for him. Here's the other good news. If he wants to listen to the program again, it'll be archived on the Lives and the Balance website almost the minute this program's over. What a great example, though, and brave, too, to call in to the program and um, ask questions. And boy, do I hope he calls back and gives us an update. If he runs into trouble, 
I hope that's exactly what he'll do. If he's got some successes to tell us about, that's what this program's for. Cool. And a great example of a lot of the things people run into when they're having trouble doing Plan B. Um, They try to clump instead of split on the unsolved problems. They don't drill well enough, deeply enough, to understand the kid's concern or perspective on the unsolved problem. And therefore, the solutions, um, well, they're, they're not likely to be successful because the concerns of both parties hadn't yet been fully clarified. All right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to respond to one of the emails that we've gotten. It's a long one, so bear with me. We've got how many what have we got here left? We got eight minutes thirteen seconds left, which means we got seven and a half minutes left. I think I can do it. Dr. Green, I'm working with a twelve year old boy who is very oppositional. I'm reading a book Lost at School in an attempt to help him at the beginning of his career in secondary school. When I started working with him, he had already been suspended twice due to aggressive and disruptive behavior at recess, which was the reason for the suspensions, and his general disregard for the authority of school staff. He was restricted to a particular area to be supervised by me. This is in the front hallway. He has not once complied with this restriction. All right, now I'm not reading the email anymore. I'm betting that that uh, solution wasn't mutually satisfactory. And I end up, back to the email, and I end up chasing him around the school instead. I've eventually decided to speak up to the powers that be. (laughs) Well, that's a good name for them, the powers that be. (laughs) And point out that this exercise is absolutely pointless. Mm, The powers that be do not like it when their powers are questioned. It's not achieving anything but anything positive for him or for us, the staff. I have been given, this is good news, the green light to go ahead and try an alternative way. I have put down on paper how I plan to execute Plan B, but I'm really not getting very far. I'm stuck on the unsolved problem part because this boy does not appear to give a continental. I've never heard that expression. This boy does not appear to give a continental about any of it. If I was to raise the issue of possible difficulties, he might have a recess and ask him what his concerns are or what causes him to behave in the ways that have resulted in punishments. I feel sure he would shrug and mumble or laugh at me. Off uh, Off the email again. That's possible. He appears unconcerned about any of it and cannot wait to get out of the room when conversations like this are taking place, usually muttering obscenities on the way out. If he doesn't see that there are any problems at recess, how can I move plan B on from this? I can outline our concerns, but without his concerns in the picture, there's no plan B, right? Right. I really want to help this boy to help himself. I feel that some of the management of the school... Do not want him in the school. I have often heard him say things like, oh, that guy, he has no future here. Or, he's a right young pup, isn't he? I would really appreciate any help you can give me to move this situation on in a positive way. Thanks a million. No, thanks a million to you. Good for you for letting the powers that be know that the powers that be aren't Well, if B was just the letter B, maybe, 
But the way you're using it, the power is the B, B, E. Nah, that's plan A. We should call that the powers that A. Because those powers are not being, but good for them for giving you the green light to go ahead and try an alternative way. All right, now to the problem. A little bit of this would have to deal with how you are beginning the empathy step in plan B and how you're wording it. Because I agree with you. And and by the way, you might be fighting history here in a big way. You might be fighting history here. Um, Because as you've already told us, um, if you're feeling like the powers that A don't want him in the school, I wonder if he feels the same way. So you could be you could be fighting that. He may think you're one of the powers that A. After all, look at the role you've been placed in. You're the one who's been on the hook for doing A because of what the powers that A decided. Um, so I'd, I'd word that empathy step carefully. I'd want to pick optimal circumstances in which to have a plan B discussion with the kid I'd want to be doing a lot of reassuring he's not in trouble you're not mad at him you're not going to tell him what to do you just really want to understand and you'd want to try to be as specific as possible about the unsolved problem that um you wanted to talk with him about and word it in a way that is as non-judgmental um, as possible. Now this is one that would be great if you'd call into the program and I'm sorry I didn't invite you to do that. I think I will invite you to do that uh, when I reply to your email Um but that's as far as I can take you so far. What I'm wishing is that we knew more about exactly what problems he's having in recess. I know that it's aggressive and disruptive behavior, but that's the behavior, not the unsolved problem. General disregard for the authority of school staff, I suppose that's my, my bet is that that's what people think he's being when he's not complying with school staff telling him to stop doing what he's doing in response to the unsolved problem. But we don't know what the unsolved problem is, so I'm not exactly sure how to help you word it. But um, today's bravery day on collaborative problem solving at school because good for you for um, approaching the powers that A to try to get permission to do plan B. Good for you for trying to do things differently. Just like our caller today, we need more people like you out there. But now we've got to make sure that Plan B goes well for you. We don't want you to get discouraged, and we certainly don't want the powers that A, um, looking down their noses at you because your early Plan Bs haven't gone well. I just fear that you are bucking history here and... If the kid's response is going to go the way you think it 
will. He'll need a lot of reassurance. All you want to do is understand. The empathy step is about understanding. And here's the good news. If you can approach it that way, I find that almost all challenging kids want to be understood. Almost all behaviorally challenging kids want their story to be told, want to be heard. Let me see if I can get you to call in so you can fill in the details and we can hear about how it went. Unfortunately, that's going to do it for us today on Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I hope you found today's program to be informative. Uh, I sure did. And um looking forward to having the educators panel on next week. Back at you then. <laughs>